Let's open to Colossians chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 2 to verse 6 tonight of Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is God's word for us who have gathered here tonight. We'll have three points in our sermon tonight, each about different points of instruction that we receive from this text. And our first point for tonight, our first call is that we should devote ourselves. We should devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. My parents live in the Middle East, and they're very, very involved with the church in the city they live in. And a few years ago, Pastor John Piper made a visit to that area. If you don't know, uh, John Piper is a pretty well-known pastor. He's written, I don't know how many books, a uh, pretty influential guy. And he visited there, met with all kinds of different ministries, different people. And there was one particular meeting where he sat down with my parents and with some other leaders of the church. And he said, wow, we have a lot to cover in this meeting and we really don't have the time to cover it. There's just so many ministry things we need to talk about and want to talk about. So what we're going to do is we're going to put our agenda aside and we're really going to spend some serious time in prayer before we do anything else. We don't have time to get through everything so what we're going to do first is we're going to pray and pray and pray. And that is the message that Colossians wants us to hear this evening. Be devoted to prayer. Pray and pray and pray. In this verse, the, Paul, the word that Paul uses for prayer isn't the regular word for prayer. It's a word that really emphasizes persistent prayer, ongoing prayer prayer, prayer that keeps on going and going. Colossians is telling us, pray habitually, pray with perseverance, pray all the time and keep on praying. When you've got time, when you don't got time, pray and pray and pray. And as we pray, Colossians tells us to be watchful and to be thankful. And I think there's two elements that we're supposed to pick up with that word, be watchful. And the second of those elements flows into the be thankful part. The first part of being watchful is that we need to watch out for evil. We need to watch out for the devil and his work. We need to pray because we as God's people are continually under attack. We need to pray and to watch out because we are in the midst of a real spiritual battle. The word for being watchful there is, is to be awake, to be alert, to not be caught by surprise. If we think of Jesus' life and we think of in the Garden of Gethsemane when he told his disciples to, to be alert, to be awake, to pray with him, that's the picture we should have here, that sense of urgency, that sense that the enemy is coming. The time is near. We must be watchful. Now, of course, the disciples fell asleep and fell far, far short of the call, but it's that kind of situation that Colossians wants us to realize that we're in. 
We're in a real conflict. The enemy is coming. And so pray and be watchful. But there's a second and more joyful meaning of being watchful there. And that's more a sense of be expectant. It's what some people call kind of a eschatological watchfulness, a looking toward end times watchfulness, a sense of expectancy, of joy that Jesus is going to come back, a sense of expectation, of hope, a sense that, yes, we're in a battle, but we know who's going to win. We know that Christ will return and he will judge all people and he will make things right. And so we watch and we hope for that day. And so even as we we fight this spiritual battle, even as we pray for all all kinds of terrible things that are going on in this world, beneath that we look forward with hope. Beneath that we watch out for Jesus' second coming because we know that when Jesus comes again, he will He will, he will win the victory. Now that sense of hopefulness leads us to be thankful too. We can look back to God's work with his people through the ages and especially to Jesus' life and death and resurrection. We can look at how God has answered prayers in our own lives and we can keep looking ahead to all the promises that God has made that he has fulfilled. So as we're devoted to prayer, we're watchful, and that watchfulness flows over into thankfulness. And then one particular way that Colossians tells us to be devoted to prayer is to pray that God will open doors for his word. And that's our second point for tonight, that we pray that God would open doors for his word. In the classic movie, A Princess Bride, there's this scene where some friends have broken into a castle, and one of them, Inigo, is chasing the man who killed his father 20 years earlier, and he wants vengeance, and he wants to catch up with him, but this guy goes through a door and locks it behind him, and Inigo can't knock the door down. He's throwing himself against the door again and again, and yelling and screaming for help because he can't get through the door no matter what he does. And finally, his friend Fezzik comes, and Fezzik is literally a giant. He is a huge man, and he walks up, he watches his friend smash into the door a couple times, stops him, swings his fist at the door almost gently, and the thing goes flying off his hinges. It is done. The door is open. Now, I don't recommend chasing people through castles to kill them, but I think there are times in our lives that we pound away at things, and we can't do it. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk someone around to following Jesus, but if God isn't working, it's not going to do any good. You can talk and talk and talk and talk, and that door is not going to open apart from God's work. And so we pray and we ask God to open doors for His, His Word. Colossians wants us to begin by praying for God's work. We ask God to open the doors because otherwise the doors won't open. And there are many, many, many closed doors to the gospel. A lot of people have personal closed doors. Maybe they've had some bad experience with the church or they're doing things in their life that they don't want to have to give up or, or whatever. The doors are closed. And in our world, there are a lot of political closed doors. There are 
political systems and leaders who want to keep people in a certain state and converting to Christianity can, can mess with that, can destabilize things. So they want to keep everything just how they want it and keep Christ out. And there are social closed doors. There are many places around the world where, where people don't want their friends and family to become Christian because that takes them out of the cultural social fabric. And so there are these huge closed doors that so often we can't open. And so Colossians invites us to pray, to pray that God would open doors for his word. Now, as you may have picked up when we read through this text, Paul was, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. He probably wasn't in a deep, dark dungeon. He probably was in, he probably was in a house, actually, that he got to rent, but he wasn't allowed outside the doors. And all the time, he was probably chained to one or two Roman soldiers. So closed doors were a pretty significant thing in Paul's life at that point. He had some freedom. He could write letters. He could talk to people. He probably talked the ears off his guards. But he was closed in. He couldn't get out. But he could pray, and he could ask people to pray for the spread of the gospel, and even to pray that he somehow would be able to spread it. And this is, this is a fairly subtle thing as we read the text for today. But what Paul really asks for is not freedom for himself to go through those open doors. What he really asks for, first of all, is for prayers for God to open the door for his word. Paul prays that God's word, that the message of the gospel would find open doors. That's his priority. And of course, Paul wants his, wants his audience to pray for him, that he could be free, that he could proclaim the gospel. But his real priority is that the gospel be proclaimed. However God decides to work that out, the focus is on the gospel being proclaimed. And so for us, too, throughout all our lives, one of the most powerful ways that we can be involved in missions is to pray for the spread of the Word of God. Some of us are called to go out, to go to all kinds of places, to be, to be like Paul in proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth. But all of us, all of us can hear and receive this call to pray for the spread of the gospel. And we can pray in all kinds of specific ways. We can pray for the missionaries that we support here, for Jim and Ruth Padilla DeBoris, for Eric and Penny Shearing, for all the many, many missionaries that we support who work for the spread of the gospel around the world. We can pray for other churches in our area and for our classes as they minister, some of them in extremely difficult and dark circumstances. We can pray that God would work so that new churches would be planted, so that new gospel ministries would rise up and bring more and more people in. We can pray in all kinds of ways that God's word would find open doors and that more and more people would come in. But then all of this has to, has to come home. We should be devoted to prayer. We should pray that the gospel would spread all around the world. And then we also, ourselves, need to be prepared and willing to share the gospel. And that's our third point for tonight, that as the text tells us, we should be wise and gracious to outsiders. We should walk wisely 
making the most of every opportunity. We should have our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt. And Colossians tells us that we should make the most of every opportunity. And the language there is actually a little funny. The word for make the most out of is literally buy up. It means buy absolutely the whole stock. Lay your hands on every single bit of whatever this thing is. Buy it all. And the word for opportunity there is actually literally a word for time. And it gives you this sense of a particular season, a unique opportunity, a time to grab hold of. And so what this text is saying is that, well, as Christians, every single day of our lives is a bit like a spiritual Black Friday sale. Every single day is a special not-to-be-repeated opportunity to spread the gospel. We're in this season. We're in this time before Christ's second coming, and we are invited and urged and called to make absolutely the most of it, to not let any opportunity pass us by because we belong to the Lord, and we want others to belong to Him too. And then Colossians tells us, tells us to spread the word in a particular fashion. Verse 6 tells us to be gracious, to have our speech seasoned with salt. And that seasoned with salt language is, honestly, we aren't quite sure what it means. Scholars argue about this and they debate and they go round and round. But I think what it's going after there, well, let me, let me give you an image. Imagine that it's the end of November or early October as it is now if you're Canadian, but imagine that it's Thanksgiving time and you're somewhere far, far away from home. You don't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving and kind of out of the blue, someone invites you to come over for a Thanksgiving meal and you're a little, little hesitant. You're not quite sure about this. You're not quite sure you want to spend a holiday with strangers who invite people over because who knows who else might be there, but you go. And as you're walking up, they open the door and they say, hey, come on in. And you smell the greatest Thanksgiving meal you have ever smelled. I mean, the turkey is just right. You can pick up hints of gravy just the way you like it. And you see lined up all your favorite desserts. And everything looks just right and smells just wonderfully. The best possible thanksgiving feast is right in front of you and what colossians is telling us is that as much as possible that's how we should try to present the gospel to other people we should try as much as possible to get people to see how really wonderful this good news is to experience it as they're thinking about it and not sure if they want to engage or not to to look toward the gospel and to experience it as this incredible, wonderful, amazing, attractive thing. We should try to present the gospel in a way that makes it, well, not a way that makes it beautiful, but a way that highlights the beauty of this story. We should try to present the gospel in a winning way, in a way that lets people see Just how wonderful it is that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. We should try to present the gospel in a way that makes people feel like that is just 
That is just exactly what they have always been looking for. We should try to present the gospel in a way that answers the questions that people have and that shows them that here, here with Christ is really where they want to be and where they've always wanted to be, even if they never realized it. We should try to present the gospel in a way that helps people to see that their deepest hunger can be met in Christ. And as we do these things, as we, as we share the gospel, as we pray for the spread of the gospel, and as we devote ourselves to prayer, I think we find more and more for ourselves that we realize that Jesus is what we really always wanted. The Christian life always has starts and stops and a little bit of backwards and forwards. But over the course of our lives as Christians, hopefully more and more we come to find that really Jesus, Jesus is the answer to our questions. Really, Jesus is the one who we've always wanted. Really, Jesus is the one who gives us hope. Really, truly, the good news of Jesus is the only foundation on which to build our lives. And as we grow in the faith, hopefully we come more and more to look forward with expectation to Jesus' return. As we live, I think more and more we experience the destructiveness and the brokenness and the terribleness of this world. More and more as we go through life, as we lose loved ones, as we struggle with different circumstances, we come to realize just how hard things are but hopefully also more and more as we grow in Christ, we're renewed in our hope. We come to see how Jesus gives us what we stand in need of. And so more and more, we look toward Jesus coming. We put our hope in him because we know that when Jesus returns, all will really be made well. And so for today, we devote ourselves to prayer we watch and we're thankful and we pray for the spread of God's word around the world and we ourselves, we ourselves move more and more in the direction as much as we can of being gracious and wise toward outsiders, of making the most of every opportunity, of showing how really wonderful this gospel is. May we all be so blessed to be deeply founded on Jesus and to be able to share him with others. Amen.